So we are in Romans chapter 14, and I want you to notice what it says in verse 7. It says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. And Romans chapter 13 that's the famous passage. We all are familiar with Romans 13 and about how it shows how we are supposed to submit to the higher powers. And when you are living in a society among other people, you have to have some rules, don't you? I mean, and the more people you have together, the more you're going to need rules. That's just the, the only way things can function, the only way things can work. We're going to have to have some rules. And as Christians, you know, even though we're saved and we have this liberty in Christ, it doesn't mean we have the right to just do whatever we want to do. We ought to submit to the rules and our society. And did you know, if you go to a small town, they don't usually have as many laws. They don't have as many uh, stoplights, stop signs, all those things. You know why? Because they don't need them because there aren't very many people. But when you start living in a town with hundreds or thousands of people, you need some of that stuff, don't you? Otherwise, it's going to be chaos. And so... We all kind of understand in a society that the more we kind of come together, the more laws we're going to need, the more rules we're going to have to have. And so in Romans 13, you know, he's encouraging Christians, you know what, don't you go, you know, working against everybody. You know, you need to be a good testimony, submit yourselves to the ordinances of man. And then in verse 14, he says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And often it's our flesh that makes us not want to follow the rules because we're like, I want to do this. You know, I want to, you know, take something that, you know, it doesn't belong to me. Your flesh might want it, but you can't just take it. We ought to have laws against stealing. You know, I might want to get somewhere really quick and might not want to wait at a stoplight. But the truth is I need to allow myself to be inconvenienced and wait my turn because I'm not the only one trying to get somewhere. Have you ever seen that person out on the road that acted like they were the only person on the road? Okay, we all look at somebody like that and we think they're rude. You know, they're an idiot. We shouldn't be that way as a Christian. But people, when they get really sold out to their flesh, they can become very self-centered. And so often, though, the reason people don't want to submit to authority is because they are. They are just wanting to give their flesh whatever they want. And we can't do that as Christians. We should not do that. And so now we're in chapter 14, and I don't believe Paul's completely changing the subject. And we're not going to go uh, do a deep dive in chapter 14, but in chapter 14, he's basically encouraging us not to do things that our flesh desires that aren't even sinful if it will offend a weaker brother. We, ought to, we, need, to, we need to watch out that we don't let our liberty become a stumbling block to a weaker brother. And he talks about that in chapter 14. He's telling us too how we shouldn't try to force our customs uh, on and things like that on people because at the end of the day, not everything means the same thing to other people. And so we do. As, as Christian Americans, whatever, you know, we have certain customs and things that we do that aren't necessarily laid out in the Bible that aren't necessarily sinful. But, you know, some people, it might be a problem to them, depending on where they come from. And we don't need to force those things on them, you know, and that wouldn't be right for you to do that. And so the key verse, though, that we need to focus on here is in verse seven, 
Because what Paul ends up saying here is very important. Every one of us need to get a hold of this. Okay, especially if you're a Christian, you need to get a hold of this. And that is, no man, for none of us, liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Our life is not just about us. Do you all understand that? I get it. You know, we're kind of the center of our universe. But we are not the only people on the planet. We are not the only people in the church. You are not the only person in your family. And we ought to always take those things into consideration. And as a result of that, as the the result of living around other people, there are going to be times where we need to accommodate people. That might mean waiting in line. That might mean letting somebody go through the door before you do. You know, and, and we're told in the Bible, we, we're not going to go into all the scriptures on these things, but you know, we're, it talks about uh, preferring. You know, we're supposed to prefer others before ourselves. That's the kind of attitude we're supposed to have. We should always put others first. And so, for, for, as Christians, we should know our life is not all, all about us. And while every one of us in here have our own personal desires, preferences, we need to understand God didn't put us on this planet just for us to give ourselves whatever we want. Okay? But, you know, and God does want us to enjoy this planet. God does want us to enjoy the things that He's provided for us on this planet. But He also wants us to do His will first. He wants us to be a blessing and not an offense to other people. And so, I say all that to kind of set this up because what I want to talk about tonight is something too that I, I value, that I treasure, that I think is very important, but it's one of these things where if we can go too far on it and as a result, we can actually get out of the will of God to where we're not doing what we should do as a Christian. And I'm, I'm talking about autonomy, but specifically family autonomy. I, I'm really hoping I can explain this to you tonight. And I think if you get this, I think if you can get a hold of this, it will really help you in one, just knowing how to um, you know, put others before yourself. But then also, I think it will help you understand too, why you need to sometimes follow rules that you don't necessarily like. But also too, if you really can't handle those things, it'll show you why you shouldn't get involved in some things. Because there are some things that me as an individual, I have chosen. There are certain paths and things in our family that we have chosen to do. There's choices we've, we've made. And the reason I, we have chosen these things is because I value autonomy. And, and there are areas where I don't believe I'm required to sacrifice any of that autonomy. And I don't want to. You can if you want to. But I've chosen not, I've chosen not to do that. And so uh, I want to I talk about the subject of autonomy, but I want to focus it on the family. And I think if you get a hold of this, it's going to help you a lot. But if you're not familiar with that term, the Webster's 1828 definition, it says this word is rarely used. It signifies the power or right of self-government, whether in a city which elects its own magistrates and makes its own laws, or in an individual who lives according to his own will. Now, when it comes to government, when it comes to, you know, I believe very strongly in national autonomy. I hate that we are dependent on other countries for things. I hate that. You know, I, I, you know Biden has been blaming the gas prices on Putin. Well, my question is, why are we dependent on Russia for oil? Are we not capable of getting our own? You know, why can't we be 
autonomous. You know, and we see a lot of the price, uh, you know, the reason for inflation, you know, it's because of supply chain issues. And a lot of times it's because we're dependent on things in China. Remember when they had that big, um, with, the, with the boats? I forgot where that was, where there was a, a no, where was it? There was a barge, though, that got, uh, it, bl- it blocked everything in. Suez Canal, Panama Canal, one of those. You all know what I'm talking about. But remember all the trouble that we had because of that? It's just like, why are we so dependent on these other countries? Okay, now, now, understand, a nation, they, they can make that choice. Now, nobody's consulting me when we make those choices. But a nation can choose to work with other countries. You know, in our state, okay, states, I think states should be very autonomous. But, you know, the truth is our state is not very autonomous. You know, I, I think our county, because think about it, if the grid ever went down or something, most towns would die. You know why? Because we are dependent on other places. Because, you know, the way the supply chain works, I mean, we get all kinds of things from other states, and it is, it's a very, we are all very interconnected, and that can be very dangerous. It makes it very easy for them to control everything. And I like, you know, and that's why I kind of admire the Amish a little bit sometimes, because, you know, those Amish people, if it all went down, they would do just fine. You know, but look, but listen, all of us, okay, and when we talk about autonomy and self-government, we all like to think, yeah, we're autonomous, but no, we're not really. Okay? Now, nobody sinned when you gave up this autonomy, but here, but think about it. What do we, what have we sacrificed our autonomy for? This is not a sin, but I have sacrificed a lot of autonomy and self-government because I want running water. I want, well, actually I have a well. So I'm more autonomous than those of you that have city water. Uh, but, but, I, but I'm also dependent on the electricity to run my well pump. And I like having electricity. Who likes having electricity? Hey, I, don't, I, you know, I don't have the ability to generate my own electricity on my property. You know, I, like, I like these roads. I like having that. I like having cars. But I've got to have gasoline to power my car. And so understand all of these things that we are enjoying... We sacrificed, we had to sacrifice some autonomy to get those things. So as a result of that, we can't just do whatever we want. And we shouldn't expect to be able to do whatever we want. Now, I personally think, you know, if there's some barren land somewhere, people ought to be allowed to go out there and do what they want to do. You know, I think our country ought to let, ought to let them do that. But at the same time, I prefer to stay somewhere where I can get electricity, running water, all those things. But in doing that, I should cooperate with certain things, shouldn't I? You know, should I go and when the, you know, if, uh, you know, I've got power lines that go by my house, you know, would it be right for me if one of those went down, I'm standing out there with a gun guarding my property and telling the electric company, get off my land? That's not right. If I want to live in that area that has power and they need to go through my property to use these things, you know, but, you know, maybe my yard's fine, but the neighbor's isn't. You know, I shouldn't be able to keep them off my land when those things are there. And technically, I can't. And, and so, I think you all understand that. I think autonomy for churches is a very good thing. You know, as ba- and as Baptists, one of our Baptist distinctives is we believe in the autonomy of the local church. And remember, autonomy, it means the ability to govern according to one's own will. The dictionary.com definition is independence or freedom as of the will of one's actions, the autonomy of the individual, the condition of being autonomous, self-government, or the right of self-government. So, 
Again, I believe as a church, we ought to be able to govern ourselves. But just because we're autonomous and no denomination can tell us what to do, does that mean that we should just go and cut ourselves off from all other Baptists and, you know, we don't fellowship with any other Baptists? We're like, no, because we're autonomous. We never have any guest speakers. We don't have any fellowship. You know, we don't allow anyone to influence us. And the truth is, you know, I think it's okay for us to have influences. I, as long as they don't cause us to violate the Bible, violate our conscience, there's nothing wrong with us having those kind of influences. I don't believe we're sacrificing our autonomy when we do that. But, you know, you, you could, we can go one direction where we become so autonomous and so self-governing, we do whatever we want, where we're preaching crazy doctrines, we're having wicked practices, you know, and we cut ourselves out from everybody where we become some weird cult, you know, or something. That wouldn't be right either. But we could also go the other way where we have, where we're, you know, where we go and we join a denomination and we let some board of bishops, you know, tell our church what to do when they don't even go to church here. I don't think that's right. But, you know, we can do that. And a lot of people, a lot of people want that. A lot of people, they don't want the responsibility a lot of churches don't want the responsibility of governing themselves. So you know what they do? They join these denominations where somebody govern, governs it for them. And so the thing is, though, then that group could come along and they could say, hey, you know what? Our denomination now, you know, we're denying the virgin birth. You have to follow that too. I don't want somebody telling us that. You know, I don't want to deal with that kind of thing. Our denomination decided it doesn't matter what Bible version you use. And you've got to start letting other people use whatever they want and preaching from other versions. I don't want somebody telling us that. So, you know, what we've done is we've chosen to have the responsibility of being self-governing. Okay, now, and, and I believe that's biblical, but when you do that, understand, it is, you can take it too far. And there are, there are some churches that are self-governing and there's wicked stuff going on. I mean, wicked teaching going on, you know, wicked practices, financial fraud. I mean, you know, there's even churches where the pastor's been immoral, and they still letting them pastor. And it's an independent church. It's an autonomous church. You know, what can we do about it? We can't really do anything about it. I mean, we can call it out. But again, so autonomy, it is, it's a great thing if you've got a decent group doing the right thing, but it's a terrible thing if it's a wicked group. But so with that autonomy, there, there's a responsibility that come that comes with it. And so, We've got to have balance in this area. We don't want to go too far in one direction. So there are areas where it isn't technically sinful for someone to give up some of their autonomy. And and so, like like I mentioned, and none of us are as autonomous as we think we are. None of us are as self-governing as we think we are. And so, you know, I'm fine. You know, I said, I'll sacrifice some autonomy if I think it will make my life easier. But, you know, we might regret it one of these days. You know, when they make us put in smart meters so they can control how much electricity we're using during different times. So it's like, you know, I think if you're willing to pay for it, you ought to be able to use it. But then they price gouge us on it too, don't they? And we don't have a choice to switch to another company. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we deal with that we don't particularly like, but we can't really complain because we kind of asked for that when we gave the government responsibility to provide all these things. And so... Again, but I do, I believe in family autonomy, but I believe every home has its own government where the father is the head of the wife, the children are in subjection to the parents. But even with family autonomy, I do believe there are certain lines that have crossed, you know, government should 
step in and take over. I mean, obviously, if a if a dad is, you know, making his wife and kids help him rob gas stations and banks and things like that, you know, I mean, it's my wife and kids, I can do whatever I want. Well, yeah, but you also live among civilized people and you can't go around robbing people. So, you know, government ought to step in and they ought to do something about that. You know, I don't believe a, a husband should be able to just abuse his wife and if you've got some lady who's got black eyes all the time and her husband's battering her and things like that, somebody ought to step in and take care of that dude. You know, I, I, I'm, I believe in that kind of thing. And so, but, you know, so while total family autonomy sounds good, it isn't a good thing necessarily for a Christian to be 100% autonomous. And so what I want to do is show you where you, you've given up your autonomy and how you could potentially give up more. And you have to decide, you know, where do I want to give this up and where do I want to hang on to it? And there are some areas where it's good, but there's also some areas I think where it's bad. So um, let's look at a few things about family government in the Bible. So Ephesians 5.22 very clearly says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we understand that we, do. we have the government you know, uh, that's of the people, and that is one system, but we also have a family that's its own government. And what is the highest power in the family? Government. It is the husband. That's, and you know what? In America 2023, people get offended by that, but you know what? I don't have time for you. That's what the Bible says, and that's what we believe. But that is, the, that is the highest authority in the family government. In the church. Okay? In the church. Who is the highest authority in the church? According to this passage we just read, it's Christ. Well, how do we know what Christ's will is? Right here in the Bible. His Word tells us what it is. And you, as a member of the church, have a responsibility to hold leadership in the church accountable to the Scriptures. Understand the power that a pastor has, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, it comes from the church. A church can appoint a pastor authority over certain things. And then once you do that, you ought to submit to that authority. But any time a pastor steps outside what the Bible says to do, a congregation has a right to step in and say, whoa, wait a minute, you're going too far right here there there's nothing wrong with a church doing that and so because again jesus is the highest authority in the church and just like our government has a responsibility to step in when a president steps out of line you know and when a president steps out of line and he does an executive order that's unconstitutional a feature you know then uh, you know they by all means that should be challenged the courts and the supreme court they're able to overrule those things and that's what ought to be done because a president, even while that's the highest office in our land, he has limited authority. And a pastor, while it might be the highest office of a man in the church under Christ, it's still limited authority. It's not unlimited power. It's, and it's limited within what the Bible says. And so the church is its own government. The family is its own government. And then if you keep reading in Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 1, it keeps going. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first command with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long in the earth and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so understand, dads, even though you're the head of the home, you know what? That is, you shouldn't treat your kids like slaves and make them miserable. You know what you ought to do? You ought to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You ought to love your kids. You ought to take care of your kids. You shouldn't abuse your kids. You should discipline your kids. By all means, you ought to, you ought to discipline your kids. But you know what? They're my kids. And, but, and, and as the father, as one who has been given an authority by God to, uh, to watch over them, to protect them, to provide for them, to discipline them, God did not give me the right to just abuse them and to treat them like garbage. I don't have the right, I don't believe any parent has the right at any point to kill their children. Hey, well, we say it all the time. I brought you into the world. I can take you out of the world. You know, but you know, we're, we're exaggerating a little bit. I don't believe you have the authority to take them out of the world. Okay. And, and we don't, and, and that includes when they're in the womb, you don't have the right to destroy their life. Uh, you have, you have the authority to destroy their day, you know, by giving a good old fashioned spanking or something like that, or grounding them for a month and things like that. But at the same time, even when you destroy their day, you're doing it for their good. You're doing it for their profit. And the Bible even talks about that, how that chasing, well, it's not pleasant, but it is for the profit of the child. So even when, if you're a good parent, even when you are making your kids miserable, you are doing it for their benefit. You're not doing it for your own benefit. And let me tell you, these parents out there today that are using all this psychology and never punish their kids and anything like that, they're not doing it because they love their kids. They're doing it because they love themselves. And it's not pleasant. It's not fun. And it doesn't make you look good if you use biblical discipline in this day and age. People are going to think something's wrong with you. But let me tell you, if you love your kids... You're going to give them the best. You're going to do what's best for them. And the Bible's very clear on that. And, uh, and so we don't, we're not going to shy away from those things. And we do have the authority to do that. I have the authority to discipline my children. I don't have, but, and, and I don't have the authority though to discipline your children. I mean, listen, you all shouldn't bat an eye if, you know, you see, you know, if I'm, you see me spanking my kids. But you know what? You ought to freak out if I'm spanking your kids. Because, uh, you know, my, I don't have the right to do that. Well, I'm doing it because I'm the pastor of this church. No, I, that, that doesn't come with my office. The ability to spank your kids. And I'm not going to do it. I've heard stories of parents bringing their kids to the pastor to help them discipline them and things like that. It's just like, no. Okay, I, if, if you need help, I'll, I'll advise you. I'll, I'll motivate you. I'll... I'll even cheer you on while you're spanking if that's what you need. You know, I'll give you a cheerleader, but I'm not doing it for you. I'm not getting myself arrested for, you know, it's just not my place. I can't do that. So, so the father, we now understand this. So I want you to pay attention to a father has the authority over his family and the father, because he is the ultimate authority for his family, he has the authority. It is biblically legal you could say for him to appoint people even from outside the home to instruct or even educate his kids and what does it say in galatians 4 1 it says now i say that the heir as long as he is a child deferreth nothing from a servant though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father so notice what it's talking about here, and, and I get our culture is a lot different today. 
You know, we don't typically pass down inheritances and the family farms and all that kind of stuff. But technically, if we live back in the old days and I had this large farm and I had these servants and I own the land and I've got, I've got a son, this is his inheritance that he's going to have one of these days. So technically, he outranks my servants that I have that have been working for me. But at the same time, even though technically he outranks them, when he's a child, I might have him go work with one of my servants in one area and he's going to have to follow their lead. I'm going to tell my servant, show him how to milk the cow. Show him how to harvest the wheat. Show him how to do all these things. And then my son is going to have to go and he's going to have to listen to my servant, even though he's technically Lord of all. And I'm going to have him under those tutors. I'm going to have him over those governors until I feel like he's ready. And then once he gets to a point where I feel like he's got the knowledge, he's got the character, I can say as the father, all right, son, you're in charge now. You get to tell these guys what to do. But in the meantime, I might have some other people telling him what to do. I can do that as a father. I can do it for the time that I choose as a father. I think when it comes to educating your children, you can do that. Okay. And understand, you know, most, pretty much all of us here homeschool our kids. We homeschool our kids. We have chosen to homeschool our kids. And there's people that, you know, they, they, again, they try to go. I, I, I believe homeschool is a great thing, but you can't go so far as to declare a sin to put your kids in a school now, putting them in a public school, I think is crazy today. When it, I mean, I think, I think you're insane you know, if you do that today. But you know, even like a Christian school, they'll act like it's a sin to do that. I, I don't believe that. Okay? I, I don't believe that. I think a parent has the right to do that. And folks, don't worry. I'm not planning on starting a Christian school. If I have time, I might tell you if, what it would be like if we were to start a Christian school. After I get done with this message, I might do that. I'm going to tell you because I thought a lot about this, not because I want to do it, but just, you know, I want to honestly articulate what it actually takes to do it right. And I think it'll freak you out. I don't think you'll like it. But understand what people will use to prove that biblically parents have to homeschool their kids is to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In verse 6, it says, In these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And so they'll say right there, it says, thou shalt teach them. And understand, this is talking about the words of God, the laws of God, the things of God. And it is. This, this charge, this was actually given to all of Israel. This was a command to Israel as a whole. And Israel, they had a responsibility in their government to teach the law of God to their children and not just to tell them what it said, but to make sure it was in their heart. Now, when you look at the way it's said to do this, the best possible way to get this done is to do it in the home. But again, that doesn't mean you can't use tutors, you can't use governors, like it talks about in Galatians, that you can't use other means to get it done. It doesn't mean that at all. Because Deuteronomy 6, it was a national, it was a national command. This wasn't a command given to an individual family. It was given to a nation. So in reality, if you lived in Israel back during that time, you didn't even have the right to say, well, you know what? I don't want to teach my kids the law of God. You didn't have the right to do that. If you were going to live in Israel, if you were going to have an inheritance in Israel, then you were supposed to follow the law of God. And part of the law of God was making sure that you got the commandments of God to be in the heart of your children. Oh, I decided I want to be an atheist. Not in Israel. Not in Israel. You don't have the right to do that. So understand, there, you know, 
there are some things that are a little different here. This was, this was a national command. We see in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. That's just who he's talking to. O Israel, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land which floweth with milk and honey. So understand, even back then, as a nation, if Israel would have just said, well, listen, we believe very much in family autonomy, and so we're going to let all the families, it's their responsibility, and they can choose how it's done. Well, the problem with that is you can't survive as a society if a significant portion of your people are not following the Word of God. You can't survive. And if just a few people here and there are choosing themselves to follow the Word of God, it's not going to be okay. Everything's going to be corrupted, and that's exactly what happened. And let me tell you something. One of the problems we're having in our country today, one of the reasons we're having a debate today about updating Bible versions, about updating our practices, about, you know, contemporarying everything up, it's because we have lost the cultural battle. We are not a Christian society anymore. And let me tell you, the Bible was not just something that we were supposed to follow as individuals for everything to work. We need to be following it as a nation. And if we live in the midst of a Sodom and Gomorrah, our families aren't going aren't to have a really hard time turning out good. It's going to be really hard. And so understand, as our country gets more and more wicked, it's going to be really, really hard to turn out a good product. Because the things of God are meant to be followed all over the place, not just where we want them. And, and so, you know, and that's another subject for another day. But understand, though, one of the ways that you can maintain much of your family's autonomy is to educate your own children. And I think probably the biggest way we're giving it up is by turning that responsibility o- over to someone else. And I do believe our nation should always protect the rights of parents to educate their children. And you know, that's, that's one area where Illinois is actually a good state. And for some reason, liberal states are usually better about this. I don't, I don't understand how that works, but a lot of your conservative states, I mean, they interfere in the home way too much with the homeschooling. But in Illinois, they leave us alone. I'm thankful for that. And our nation, our government should protect the rights of parents to educate their own children. But I believe parents need to understand, hey, this is what you need to get a hold of. If you're going to turn your kids over to the government, or even to a Christian school for education, you have forfeited a great deal of your autonomy. And you know what? You can't complain if your will's not being done. You want, you want to know one of the reasons I educate my own kids? Because I want my will being done with what they're taught. I've got priorities. I've got preferences. I've got things that I want them taught. I've got things I don't want them taught. So you, I, there's influences I don't want in their life. You better believe I want to discriminate when it comes to their teachers. I only want Christians, good Christians, educating my kids. I don't want any queers educating my kids. I don't want any trannies. I don't want some teacher standing there wearing a rainbow flag going and telling my kids that it's okay if they want to change genders or something like that and trying to get them in contact with some doctor that will help them with these things without telling the parents or something like that. I don't want some freak telling my daughter, it's okay if you go and get pregnant and you know if you want to get an abortion, you can go get one. You don't have to tell your parents. I don't want, I don't want that for my kids. But guess what? That's who's running our schools today, ladies and gentlemen. That's who's running our schools today. And we've got people today, they don't like that, but what are they doing? I don't want to educate my kids. You know, I'm going to let them do it. Well, you know, 
If they're the ones doing it, they make the rules. And let me tell you something. If we start a school, we're making the rules for what your kids get taught. And, you know, and understand, if you believe in LGBTQ rights and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to like what we teach in our schools. Yeah, you better believe we're teaching their history, and we're starting with Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And that's probably as far as we'll go. Yeah. We, might, we might talk about AIDS, uh, too, but you know, that, that's, as far, that's as far as we're going to go. And you know, people don't like that. You know what? We're, we're going to teach. We would teach creation. We're not teaching that stupid religion of evolution, of Darwinism. That's a bunch of garbage. We're not, we're not teaching them that kind of thing. And so the thing is, though, but if you are going to tell somebody, I want you to take this responsibility from me, they're going to have your kids eight plus hours a day. They're going to have multiple kids eight plus hours a day. There has to be some structure. They're not going to be able to do everything according to the will of every parent. You all understand that's impossible. No one should even expect that to be done. Whether it's in a public school or in a Christian school. Now, I think if you go to a Christian school, especially in a Baptist church, you know, you should expect it to be pretty close. But folks, it's still not going to be according to your will all the time. There's absolutely no way. And you have no right to ask for it. You have no right to expect that. And I believe if you're going to put your child in a Christian school, I believe you should follow the rules of the handbook. Christian schools get made fun of all the time because these, you know, groups get a hold of their handbooks and they read all those rules in there. Now, I used to work in a Christian school. I look at those rules. I understand why those rules are there. And I, I don't even necessarily, personally, follow every one of those rules. But I also understand why you would have to have rules like that if you're going to have a Christian school. I get it. And that's kind of a... I, I don't have time to chase a bunch of rabbits and explain a lot of these things. But as somebody who has been a part of that, as somebody who went to a Christian school, as somebody who taught in one for six years... I understand the handbooks, and while everybody freaks out about those things, I'm looking at them like, oh, that makes sense, that makes sense. I'd probably be crazier than that if I had one. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So that seems kind of cultish to me. You just ask people to take your kids eight plus hours a day. And, and honestly, too... You know, and, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't, do, we didn't do this in the school I worked in because of the way things are in our government today. But let me tell you, anyone who is educating your kids, who has your kids for eight plus hours a day, should be able to spank your kids. Now, some of you think I don't want anyone else spanking my kids. Okay, then don't have anyone else educate them. You have no right to ex- expect someone to deal with your kids for that long while you're trying to educate them when they're as ADD as all get out. And not, you know, not sitting still, not doing what they're supposed to. You have no right to expect them to do that and not be able to whack their backside. And you say, no, I think only the parent. Well, okay. Then guess whose responsibility it's going to be to educate them? Yours. And if you're going to, and, and so if you're going to give them somebody else, you know, they should be able to do that. And so if, if you don't like the rules, you should pull your kids. But what people have no right to do is expecting a church or school to take this massive portion of their responsibility and then still expect their will to be done in all things. If you want your will done in all things, educate your own kids. 
And what we've done, we've created a conflict in a lot of churches today because we do. We get up and rightfully go to the Bible and we say, parents, you're in charge of your kids. Those are your kids. They're not the community's kids. They're your kids. Baptists all bash NBC for when they said that. That was stupid when NBC said that. But at the same time, though, I get why NBC was thinking that because most people are bringing their kids to the community to educate them. But the thing is, I'm not. And, and you know, nobody has to do that kind of thing. But, but parents, we're saying all these things. We're telling families they should be autonomous. We're telling parents they should be the one disciplining their kids. We're telling them that they are the ones that have authority. We're telling them, kids, you follow your parents' rules. But then we're also providing these Christian schools. And then the parents are confused. Wait a minute. I'm not getting my will done. You know, I've got the school telling me what to do with my kids. I got a problem with that. And, it, and there's a conflict. And I'm telling you, Churches with schools are doing a bad job communicating the reality of the situation and it's caused a lot of confusion. Because, you know, here, here's the great thing about being autonomous, okay, and, and about homeschooling your own kids. Did you know if you're, auto, if you're homeschooling your own kids, you can set your own schedule. You can, you can start at 10 if you want. But let me tell you, you know what we have today? And, and, and listen, nobody has to feel like they're getting sniped today. None of y'all went to the Christian school that I worked at, okay? But, uh, uh, so, you know, if I may just unload the truck, I'm not beating up anybody in here, so nobody get mad at me. But you know what just would drive me nuts is you got parents, they want their kids to come to our school, but then they feel like they can show up when they want to. They feel like they can take their kids out whenever they want to. Oh, you're telling me I can't take my kids on a vacation? You're telling me I can't give my kids a day off? They're, they're my kids. But you gave us the responsibility to educate them. And it looks bad on us. It looks bad on the school if your kid is an ignoramus. It looks, makes our school look bad if your kid's missing school all the time. The last thing we want is the state going, you know, looking, you know, finding out what's going on. And finally, we got kids that are there half the time. But parents do. They act like I should be able to take my kid out whenever I want. Well, if you want to take them out permanently, you can. But if you want them to keep coming back, you need to follow our rules. You need to follow our attendance policies. We'll give you a certain number of days. But you know what? If you finally exceed those days and the one that finally exceeded it just happened to be a funeral, we didn't kick your kid out of school because you went to a funeral. We kicked your kid out of school because they missed one day because you just didn't feel like bringing them in because you weren't feeling good. You know, and you know, you didn't bring them in one day because you guys decided you wanted to go to the park or something. You know, you wanted to go to wherever. You can't, you have, don't have the right, once you sign your kids up to that school, you don't have the right to do that anymore. You, you, and you have a responsibility to follow the schedule. I would have parents call me up all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come in and take my kids out an hour early today because we're wanting to, we're going to go on vacation and we want to leave early. No. Wait till school's done. Because guess what? Everybody, every, every kid wants to leave an hour early. But then you do, you have these, you know, and then, then they act like, how dare you tell me I can't take my kids out of school? Well, guess what? Because they're not completely your kids anymore. You gave them to us when you gave us that responsibility. You say, I don't like that. I don't want to take them out whenever I want. Then don't send them to our school. Well, listen, folks, if we start a Christian school, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have attendance policies. We're going to expect you to get your kids' carcasses here on time. We're going to expect them to fulfill their full sentence every day that they have. You're not going to be able to just leave whenever you want. There will be requirements. We, we will flunk your kids. 
If your kids are bad, we will dream up punishments that won't get us in trouble with the government. You know, we're going to do all kinds of stuff that they're not going to like doing. You know, and, and you say, I don't like that. Then don't give us that responsibility. Okay? My goal is, is if tonight, I, after I'm done with this message, I can announce we're starting a school and no one will sign their kids up. That's a, and like I say, I'm trying. I can tell other pastors, y'all start a Christian school. I tried. Nobody signed up. <laughs> you know, I, I, won't, I won't tell them why. But, you, you know, hey, at home, you can set your own schedule. You can take days off without getting permission. You can, you can sleep in one day. You know, oh, you have no idea what I had going on. We've, we, you know, people, I'd always hear their excuses all the time. Well, they're going to be in late. We were out late. We had to... I can't just let everybody do their own thing. This can't be a free-for-all. There's a lot of kids here. We've got to have some structure. You've got to have these things. It'll, it's not going to work. You know, you can't just pick and choose what you want for the curriculum. You know, now you can do that if you're homeschooling your kids. But, and I could go on and on with examples like that. But listen, you have no right to just do these things if, if you choose to put your kids in a Christian school. You need to follow their handbook blindly. And otherwise, and if you don't like that, nobody's forcing you to go there. We do have choice. I believe we should have a choice. I believe we ought to have the choice of public school, charter school, Christian school, private school, home school. I believe it's your choice, parents. But I'm just telling you, you're insane if you think I'm going to put, I'm going to give this responsibility that really belongs to the family. I'm going to give it to somebody else, but then I'm going to expect all this autonomy at the same time. It doesn't work. And again, and so uh, many parents who put their kids in these Christian schools, they ridiculously expect to maintain their autonomy without having any responsibility. And that, that's not right. And so homeschoolers, though, too, sometimes we can allow our autonomy to make us lazy and have bad character. Again, sometimes, there, sometimes you need a day to sleep in. Because sometimes we do have something that comes up. You do have something that goes, goes on. Maybe you had to go see somebody in the hospital and you were up late. And you, do, you need to sleep in the next day. And if you're homeschooling, you can do that. But at the same time, too, if you're homeschooling, you can sleep in every day. You can take any day off that you want. And you can get to the point where you're just not even really educating your kids. And that's not, that's not fair. Now, then nobody can stop you from doing that. But you know what? Your kids are going to hate you one of these days. And then they're going to be like, well, you know what? My parents ruined my life not giving me any education. I'm putting my kids in the public school. You know, so you, got, you better watch out for that, parents. Because you are self-governing, and nobody's holding you accountable, you can get lazy. And there are some of the dumbest kids you'll ever meet are homeschool kids. But some of the smartest kids you'll ever meet are homeschool kids. You know know what it depends on? The parents. And that's why some parents might just say, well, you know what, maybe I need to hire a tutor or something like that, you know, because I'm not... And and, hey, you have the authority to do that. You have the authority to do that. And, you know, nobody's stopping you. But again, I think, you know... I guess I can't say I am because my wife does most of it, but you know, I think my wife <laughs> is capable of educating our kids in a way where they can be successful in life. And so I'm able to do, make sure my kids are going to be okay in life and I can maintain that autonomy. And I'm thankful for that. If my wife was as dumb as a box of rocks, you know, I don't think I would like homeschooling my kids. You know, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I might hire that tutor. You know, I might... You know, I'll let, give somebody else that responsibility. And I don't think I'm sinning if I do that, but I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm, I'm glad. So just because you have the right to autonomy doesn't mean you should have it. If you have no character, if you have no discipline, 
Understand that autonomy can get you in a lot of trouble. So, you know, in homeschool families too, there's all, and you, know, you hear me complain about this, all right? And if I may make fun of all of you for a little bit, home, you can't get homeschool families to sign up for anything. You know why? Because you don't want to commit to anything. You know why? Because you don't have a schedule. Because, you know, you do do things as you feel like it. You know, you wake up when you want to. And so if we, like, plan some kind of activity, you've got to be there at 8 o'clock. Wait, 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 we have to be there at a certain time? What if we're not? We'd leave you behind, you know. You're, you're not going to get to participate. Wait, we have to plan ahead? You know, and, and, then, and then what a lot of homeschoolers do, they'll go and they'll sign up for something. And then you go, you reserve spots, you pay for things, and then they don't show up. And, you know, they're homeschooled. We can't make them do anything. I mean, it's your family. But it's like, you know, that wasn't right for you to sign up. We plan for all these things, and you don't follow through. But homeschool families are the worst with that. You want to know why some preachers snipe at homeschool families so much, especially ones of Christian schools? Because they they're just real frustrating because, you know, you try to plan for things, and planning anything for homeschool families is a nightmare. And, and you all don't cooperate very well. Because you've got to used to operating according to your own will from day to day. And that's fine. You have the right to do that. But understand, as soon as you say, hey, I want to participate in this group event, you've just signed up for some responsibility that will require you to lose some autonomy. And it's not a sin. It's not wrong. Again, you know, I like the benefit of doing things with other people. I like the benefit of doing things with other family. So I'm willing to go out of my way, and if the and if the if the group says we're going to be leaving here at eight o'clock, I might want to wait until nine. But you know what? I'm going to get up a little earlier, and I'm going to be there at eight because that's what everybody decides. And you know what? I'm not going to do. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to show up, you know, right at the last minute, acting stressed out, like I oh, well, you all really inconvenienced me. This was a real sacrifice, but you know, I'm here because you know you all said you were going to leave me behind. And I didn't want to look like a homeschooler, you know, if I did this. And so, you know, no, no, I'm going to come. And I'm going to participate with a good attitude. That's what you ought to do. You know, when you sign up for something, you ought to do it. You know, it's at our church. You know, we, you know we've, we've got music lessons and things. And Brother Daniel hasn't been complaining about any of this stuff. But, I mean, I, I, I see what's going on. You know, because you're homeschoolers, you just don't show up whenever you feel like it. You know, you cancel for every little thing. And, you know, they're your kids. We're not going to come take, take them away from you and send a truant officer after you or anything like that. But, you know, hey, if you sign up for something, if, you're, if, you, be, if you participate in the ministry, if you get involved in something, you ought to be consistent on these things. And it's really frustrating, frustrating when we try to do group things that you all said you wanted to be a part of. And then all of a sudden, you know, we participate in these things. And, you know, where are they? You know, we, you know, you all want to go to this soul winning church, but boy, if, if it picks a time that's just not the greatest for you, if it inconveniences you in the smallest way, uh, I'm, I'm just not doing it. Listen, we're all going to get inconvenienced at a certain point. But because we have all chosen to be a part of a church, because we have all chosen to do something as a group, you know what we do? We inconvenience ourselves a little bit because this isn't about us. No man liveth to himself, no man dieth unto himself. And I do. I like autonomy. I like doing things when I feel like it. But I can only do that to a certain extent. And autonomy taken too far, it can make you become very self-centered. Make you become very self-centered. And so you can believe very strongly in family autonomy and still be willing to set some of those benefits aside for the good of others. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. That is your choice to do that. Nobody can make you do that. But you should do that. The Bible says in Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. And I believe every one of us, we ought to have the goal of taking care of ourselves, of not being a burden, but we also should have that desire to also bear others' burdens. That while, okay, I want to be somebody who doesn't need help, but I am, I am also, though, not going to cut myself off from society so I can just do my own thing, but I'm also going to be a part of a church so I can be a help to other people. And you know what? That's good because one of these days, you might be the one overtaken in a fall. You might be the one that needs some help. And you're going to be real thankful for those people who inconvenience themselves, who sacrifice some of their autonomy, who don't get their will on some things to help you out. You're going to be very thankful for those people. And, you know, we have a lot of people in church, they are very self-centered with things. You know, when it comes to any kind of group activity or whatever, you know, they are the last ones that are ever going to participate. They're the last ones that are going to ever show up for anything. But then all of a sudden, they'll get it in their head. And I've been there, I've, I've been there before. I've been in the ministry for a long time. A lot of these people, they don't participate in anything. But then all of a sudden, they decide one day, hey, I think it'd be really cool if the church did this. I'd like to head up this event. Okay. And then nobody shows up. And they're like, these people are so self-centered in the church. Well, no, guess what? You've never cared about anything anyone else in the church has done, and now nobody cares about what you're doing. But, you know, maybe if you would have been supporting other people in their ministry, supporting other people in their events, then they would have been like, you know what? They've been a help to me. They've been a blessing to me and these other things. I'm going to go be a help and a blessing to them. That's the way it's supposed to be in a church. And that means sacrificing some of your autonomy or your own personal will. And I do. I, and I have my own personal desires for everything. I have things that I would rather do, but I'm going to do, you know, I would rather, and I did this for years, I would rather on Sunday afternoons go home and take a nap and meditate, you know, on my couch. I miss that. But at the same time, though, it is much more convenient for a lot of people, a lot of the church, if a lot of the ministries and things that we do, we do them on Sunday in the afternoon. And so you know what I have done? I have sacrificed my own will on that because it's better for the church. And, you know, I'll go soul winning. I can go soul winning other days of the week. I'm a full-time pastor. I can go soul winning any day that I want. But you know what? It's not about just what's convenient for me. What's convenient for me is an app on Sunday afternoon. But what's convenient for the church is me being here on Sunday afternoon. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I don't have a bad attitude. In fact, I'm thankful for it. You know, because even though I'm not getting my nap on Sunday afternoon, there's a lot getting done here on Sunday, and I'm glad to see it. We're back when I got my naps on Sunday afternoon, nothing was getting done on Sunday afternoon. So I, I'm thankful for it. I don't even really see it as a sacrifice. I'm a willing participant in these things. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so there are, there are noble things that we can sacrifice our own personal desires for, and we ought to be willing to do that. There are some things I wouldn't recommend sacrificing. Again, you know, I think you, I think you're better off educating your kids. I, 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 I think you want that autonomy. I don't think you want to sacrifice it. If you do, I'm not mad at you. I don't think you've sinned in doing that. I just hope you don't have unrealistic expectations on the people you gave that responsibility to even if you're paying for it and you should pay for it, you know, if you're going to do that. And let me, and so, you know, let me just tell you too, if we start a Christian school, I don't want to charge tuition. So guess what? If you send your kids to this school, 
We're going to check and make sure you're tithing. Hey, we're forced by the government to pay taxes to the public school, and nobody says I'm living in a cult because of that. How, how is it a cult if we're educating your kids and we're making sure you all are contributing something to it? How is that a cult? Well, I don't want the church looking at that. Well, then don't ask us to educate your kids. We're going to tell your, kid, we're going to tell your kids when to be here. We're going to tell them when they can leave. We're going to tell you how often they're going to be able to be here. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to tell you stuff that they can and can't talk about in school. We're going to tell you some things, that, places that they can't go, activities they shouldn't be involved in. We're going to tell you what they're going to have to wear. We're going to tell you things that they can't wear. We're going to tell you things that they, we're not, we're, you know, we're going to tell you that, you know, we're going to have rules that, again, I probably wouldn't enforce even in my own family, but we got to draw a line somewhere. We would, prob- we would probably tell your girls they couldn't get their ears pierced. You know why? Because I don't want some girl coming to the school with her ear pierced up here and here and her nose pierced and all that. So we're just going to do no piercing, so I don't have to worry about it. That doesn't mean I, you know, we so, said, well, if you let your daughter get your, your daughter get her ears pierced. I might, I might let her do that. Hey, I'm homeschooled. We're autonomous. We can do that. I don't think it's wrong. But I don't want freakish fads to be started. And you know what? I don't want my girls going to school with the girls that's doing all that stuff and getting influenced by that. I don't, I, don't, I don't want the other kids in the school talking about all the trash you're watching on TV and all those things. And so, man, we are going to get in your homes. We are going to regulate things. We are going to enforce things. And then you know what? A lot of you, foolishly, are one day going to go accusing us of being a cult. Because we had this crazy handbook. And look at these rules that they had. They said my daughter couldn't dye her hair. Is it a sin to dye hair? Well, I don't think you ought to dye it blue. I don't think you ought to dye it pink. You know, so we got to draw the line somewhere. We're just going to say, hey, what they're born with is what they're stuck with. And you think that stuff's over the top. But you know what? You asked us to educate your kids. You asked us, and, and, and it's not just your kids. we got other people's kids too. And parents bring their kids to a Christian school because they're trying to keep them away from certain influences and things. And we don't want to have those things in here. So we are, you know, we're, we're going to tell you what kind of music you can and can't listen to. And, and a lot of you think, you're crossing the line, Pastor Tommy. You have no right what to do. You know, we're going to tell you what you can and can't put on social media. If we do that, you're crossing the line. No, you gave us that right when you gave us the responsibility of educating your kids. So guess what the solution is? Don't give us that responsibility. Do it yourself. And let me tell you, I don't want that responsibility. I really don't. The Lord has not laid it on my heart to start a Christian school here. Because I do. I like family autonomy. And, I'm, and I did. I got sick of dealing with families who thought they were autonomous while sending their kids to the Christian school. And it's like, no, you people are insane. You can't just do whatever you want with your kids when you're giving them us the responsibility. But you know what? No, school, no Christian school ever says that, do they? No Christian school has ever said, understand, you're sacrificing some of your autonomy. You're giving us a responsibility, which requires us taking authority that belongs to you as a parent. Are you sure you want to send your kids to our school? Okay, now listen, public school kid parents, they're like, absolutely. You can draw my blood. You can, you know, vaccinate my kids. You can, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you a blood sample. You know, you can even educate them in whatever you want. And isn't that what family, isn't that what homeschool families do? Or not homeschool, public school families do? They make sure their kids are ready for the bus every day. I mean, they follow, they follow all those instructions to the point 
of, yeah, vaccinations and everything. Parents let their kids, they let schools make their kids mask up for two years. You know why? Because that's what they, that's what they require there. I, they're my children. I agree, so homeschool. That's what I, that's what I said to the whole thing. When all these people go to these things, these are our children. Yeah, you know what? No, not one time did my kids ever have to wear a mask in school. Not one time. You know why? Because we were autonomous in that area, and I'm thankful for it. And it's, it's worth it. And so hopefully, this message helps you understand some things about autonomy. And while it is, while it's a very good thing in many ways, we don't want to just use it for our own purposes. We can take it too far. But, you know, hopefully this will help you understand why you submit and where you should submit in certain areas. There are areas where it is. It's okay. It's even noble for you to sacrifice some of your own personal will that you have in things for the good of other people. That, that, that is a good, noble thing. And sometimes the very autonomous people struggle with that. And so we've got to learn to balance these things out and say, listen, hey, we've chosen to be a part of this. I think we need to sacrifice some of our own will and let's, let's be more responsible. Let's be more faithful in some of these things. Let's, let's do a better job of not doing what we want in this day or even doing, we can just do what we want at a different time because we've chosen to be a part of a church. We are not just living for ourselves. We, ought, we want to be there for others. And so I hope this was a uh, help and help you understand these things. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, the guidance that we can get from your word. And Lord, I pray that this message, if it did anything, it will help just inspire everyone in this church to continue uh, to be autonomous when it comes to uh, being responsible for their own kids and their families. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us though not to go too far and become self-centered uh, to where we just can't cooperate with anything, but you'll help us to realize it is okay uh, for us to uh, be, to prefer others and to uh, you know sacrifice some things uh, for the good of other people. And I pray you'll help us to just not be self-centered in these areas, but we'll strike the right balance in our homes. In your name we pray. Amen.